With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lions fans, it's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to Bischoff and Brown right here on the Detroit Lions Podcast. He's Scott Bischoff. I'm Russ Brown. Scott, my man. Nine and four. You were right. You were nervous. We lose to the Bears. How the hell are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, where do we begin? I, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't want to have this type of show today. Um, and you, you're kind of in the same kind of path as me, uh, as far as same mindset as me. Like, let's just, let's air it out there and vent this one through and talk about the defensive woes, move on from the offense and, and try to focus on the Broncos. But I just, the floor is uh, your go. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, look, we lose 28-13. Uh, Lions move to 9-4. and four, And I, I just got a vent. So I, Scott and I agreed I'm going to take five minutes or so to kind of vent about this defense uh, because for weeks I've been trying to figure it out. We get a lot of great comments here on our YouTube page at Detroit Lions Podcast. And you guys, of course, can rate, review, and subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the podcast stuff. It's great. Um, we get a lot of comments about just the defense in general. And last week I wrote a piece that took some time. I mean, there was a lot of words in there, a lot of clips trying to break down the defense. And I, I, tr- I like try to spin it thinking like a defensive minded guy. And I just, I'm lost with Aaron Glenn. And honestly, folks, like I'm, I'm done with Aaron Glenn. Like this is my outside perspective on it. I'm not in the building. So I don't know all the, the verbiage. I don't know what's being said, but I kind of get an idea of how it all works just as a high school coach that I was and, and learning from some college coaches and going to coaching clinics. Like you kind of get an idea. And last year, this defense was not great by any means. And the defensive backs coach was the scapegoat last year. Fortunately, the Lions defense figured it out. They went eight and two in their last 10 games and they finished nine and eight. Um, in the off seasons, this, this Lions team, they, they brought in Dre Bly. That's the new defensive backs coach, but like it's not working. So is he going to be the scapegoat or is it going to be Calvin Shepard, the linebackers coach? Is it Aaron Glenn? Or let's be honest, is it a specific player? Like what is it? Because the Bears on the opening drive took it straight down our throats. 
And at any moment in time, it felt like they could turn a drive on and just score at will whenever they wanted. And and I know there's a bunch of things offensively that we're going to get into, but like if we're going to blame a specific player, is it the undrafted free agent from 2021 and Jerry Jacobs that Brad Holmes found and they've turned in to be a number two corner for them? Is it? I don't know. But he he appeared to be benched for Kendall Vildor, who, by the way, is a former fifth round pick of the Bears. And he's been on two other teams prior to Detroit. He's now out snapping Jerry Jacobs. And Jacobs gets torched by DJ Moore on fourth and 13. That's inexcusable. Cannot happen. And Hutch jumps off sides. Jacobs has given up seven of the 21 passing touchdowns this year. And I mean, what's the other excuse for Aaron Glenn? Lack of talent on defense? We're no longer in the days of the Lions relying on Dean Marlowe, Trey Flowers. There's been plenty of talent added to this team since 2021 when Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes took over. If you don't believe me, look at Alex Anzalone. They brought in the veteran defender who comes from their defensive system that they learned and adopted from their days in New Orleans. You brought in Charles Harris. You paid him. You brought in John Kaminsky, who finally had a good game this past weekend. But where the hell's Charles Harris? One and a half sacks this year, 14 pressures. My buddy got paid and reverted back to his days with the Dolphins. And if we're going to talk about veterans, how about Tracy Walker? Where's this guy been? This was a guy that was featured on Hard Knocks of Dan Campbell as a guy that you're going to build around. And he played zero snaps when your season's not on the line, but... I mean, we're talking late in the year. Zero snaps against a divisional opponent on defense. He played 13 snaps on special teams. He got benched for Ifita Melifanwu, who has been very hit or miss as a defender for this defense. Meanwhile, the other teammate back there, Kirby Joseph, he's lost in space. He's making poor reads left and right in the run game. And Aaron Glenn continues to use him as a buzz defender in these two high safety looks while Jerry Jacobs is getting torched down the field. Like, it's just mind-blowing, asinine stuff. And I, I got a question for the people. Do we know that the Lions have drafted a linebacker every single year under Campbell and Holmes? 2021, Derek Barnes. 2022, Malcolm Rodriguez. 2023, Jack Campbell. Meanwhile, we've drafted four, not one, not two, but four defensive linemen on day two of the draft over the last three years. They've had three drafts. Levi Ozarike, Ali McNeil in the first draft. Josh Paschal after taking Aiden Hutchinson, and then... Roderick Martin, who, by the way, they traded up for. They used not one, not two, but three draft picks to acquire and kind of doesn't make any sense now because he played six snaps on Sunday against the Bears. He's played 17 all year. That's 15 less snaps than James Houston. And James Houston hasn't played since week two. Ozarike played 14 snaps on Sunday and Pascal's kind of hit or miss. He plays about 30 snaps a game and he, he put together a good week against the Saints. Kind of was just there on Sunday. But like you think about it, Broderick Martin, three picks you get you give up for to get him. You could probably use some secondary help with those three picks. And if we're staying on top of the NFL draft and, and the players that they've taken, twenty twenty eight or twenty twenty two, they took eight players in that draft. Six of them were defensive players. That includes Hutchinson at second overall. This is a team that has added Isaiah Bugs, Cameron Sutton, Gardner Johnson. Bugs is barely on the field. He's been benched a bunch of times this year. Sutton's been kind of up and down, but for the most part, pretty consistent. I like the signing still. And Gardner Johnson, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Been hurt. Cool. But if him getting hurt, Gardner Johnson, is the reason to why this defense isn't working, shame on this staff because they altered their scheme and overall game plan around one guy. That can't happen. 
There's way too much talent in the room for the same result week in and week out with this defense. There's coverage lapses every single week. And the only way that there's any type of play is when there's a lucky bounce to Brian Branch, i.e. the Saints game. Like, Branch appears to be a stud, but Malcolm Rodriguez looked like a steal last year. And he has played single-digit defensive snaps or zero defensive snaps in nine of the 13 games he's played this year. I'm worried. Broderick Martin's never going to hit the ground running here. I'm worried that Branch is going to fall back into the shadows after a strong rookie year. And if it happens, there's one guy to blame. It's not Dan Campbell. It's not It's not Aiden Hutchinson. It's It's not Brad Holmes. It's Aaron Glenn. And, and I just want, I want people to know this. When, when Justin Fields scored on that quarterback keep on third and goal, he was like at the 10 or the 12, somewhere in there. He scored because Aiden Hutchinson called his own number for a Lions stunt on a TE stunt, which to the guy that was in my mentions and is still tweeting about me to this day, rather than talking to me like a gentleman, he's tweeting about me. Hutchinson trying to explain to me what a line stunt is and he's bashing me. Hutchinson's supposed to loop inside and the defensive tackle is supposed to loop outside. You're playing against a mobile quarterback. You learned that day one in in high school. What was the tackle on that play? It doesn't even matter. It's a defensive tackle you're asking to tackle Justin Fields in open space. Yeah. Sorry. It it can't happen. And And it happens on third down. And Jeremy Reisman of the uh, Pride of Detroit on SB Nation at Detroit on Lion on X or Twitter, uh, he put out some numbers yesterday since week seven, since the Baltimore game. The Lions defense is giving up almost a 39% conversion rate of eight yards or more on third down. It's the worst in the NFL. And it's like you look at this game and you see the freedom that Hutch has on that line stunt. And it makes me wonder, because he admitted to it. This is not me speculating now. This is him admitting to it, saying he owned up to it. I'll give him credit. We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes in our day jobs. It happens. But he owns up to it. And it makes me wonder if he's given as a second year pro that's played, I don't know, what, 25 games in his career, maybe 28 games in his career, whatever it is, give or take. If he's given the freedom to call line stunts on third down, imagine the freedom that Tracy Walker's given as a veteran, again, a key guy that we talked about earlier on my rant here, Cam Sutton, Alex Anzalone, guys that have been around in the league. I mean, it makes you wonder. And it has me thinking like if if you make these adjustments on defense in the game, which I understand you have to make, if Hutch is making an adjustment to go one way, the linebackers are making an adjustment to go the other way, and the defensive backs are checking into a coverage that doesn't coordinate with what's being called, guess what's going to happen, guys? Coverage lapses. And that's exactly what's happening every single week when you watch this defense. That's why Jordan Love on Thanksgiving looked like freaking Aaron Rodgers. Justin Fields has shredded them twice now. Derek Carr got in rhythm before he got hurt. And had he not got hurt, the Saints might have won last or two weeks ago. We gave them the benefit of the doubt with Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson. But right now, it's inexcusable. This uh, this defense looks like a free-for-all. I talked about it in the article about the the, the problems with the fundamentals, with the coaching blunders. I'm just convinced that the defense coordinator here in Detroit, Aaron Glenn, is not coordinating. I'm convinced that he is lost in what he's doing. And I, I truly believe he's got four weeks to fix it, including a potential playoff push. And if he doesn't, see ya. Get him out of town. Find something else. Because it's not working anymore. And I'm I'm done being kosher about it. I don't want to take the relaxed approach. I get it. We're 9-4. and four. Best record we've seen since the 60s. But this team, I don't owe this team anything. 
This team has done nothing for me for 32 years. I, I cover the team and every single week I watch the same stuff and it's frustrating. I'm frustrated. This is a team that a couple weeks ago we felt like championship. Did you just say you're only 32 years old? I did. I did. We've been over this. We've been, I'm a little bit younger, but that's okay. It's Sorry. okay. Go ahead. Carry on. <laughs> no, it's fine. And it's just like, I, I just, I'm frustrated because my mentions get filled with questions and comments and people saying, I don't know what I'm looking at. And then I hear these things and I'm like, Hutch was in the wrong because he played undisciplined. Uh, the defense is consistently playing undisciplined across the board. Jacobs gets torched. Safeties are coming downhill. It just, everything is backwards with this defense. And I'm frustrated with it because this was a team a couple weeks ago when we said potential Super Bowl, potential NFC championship, certainly the NFC North, that gave us this glimmer of hope. And now it feels like there's nothing left to play for other than trying to find a way to back into the playoffs. And I just, I don't feel confident watching this team. And if if they can figure it out, great. Make me eat crow. That's what I want. That's what I should be doing as a fan. But I just, I can't keep buying into this crap if this is what they're going to produce every single week defensively when they've given the talent, the signings, the draft picks, everything for Aaron Glenn, and nothing is happening. So that's where I'm at with the defense. If you want to add anything, that's cool, but we can move to the offense. I just, the defense, Aaron Glenn. It's, you know, I'm not going to add anything because I, I think it's, it, it was a, uh, as much as last week, not nobody sniffs any of this shit out. So that you know, but I, I mean, I definitely thought they were in a situation where last week was was a game they were going to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also a huge game for them. I mean, it's a, it was a huge opportunity for them to get to ten and three and put themselves right in position to not control their destiny but in some ways to make it easier on themselves by having a home playoff game. Because, listen, they're going to Dallas. That that game's in Dallas, right? Yep. Anybody think the Lions have a chance in that game? Really? Zero. You know? Um, and it's not just the defense. But watching, watching them over the last five, six weeks... Uh, seeing Baltimore light them up, seeing them not be able to get off the field against the Chargers, um, having to pull a rabbit out of a hat against Chicago in the first game, mm-hmm. you know, making I'm missing another I'm missing no I'm not um maybe I am Ma- making Jordan Love look like uh the second coming of Aaron Rodgers on Thanksgiving, and then seeing for me seeing it in person in New Orleans and watching what they look like both offensively and defensively, it was, I don't know if anybody picked up on it last week, but the, but the resignation of their nine and three, it's been a great ride, but ever anything they give us above, above and beyond this is just gravy is just, you know, um, we're set, we're settling to be a loser. Like that's what it's, what we're doing. I guess, but, it, but in some ways, I mean, you know, Nobody's coming on. Nobody wants to listen to some, you know, like me, uh, tell you they're going to lose and there's no hope and blah. Who, who cares? Nobody cares. What, nobody should care what I think if that's my perspective, if that's what I'm, if that's what I'm like, it, you know what I mean? Like, but we're talking about legitimate things and reasons to be um, worried about, about 
both right now and going forward. Uh, should they have been, should they have, okay, so let's just take it back just a second. If they don't give up that fourth and 13 touchdown, I think it's a different game mm -hmm. because I, I, I think if they don't jump off sides, Chicago's punting. Yep. And it, you know, it's a different game, but then, then all the dysfunction on defense and all that stuff, let's talk about the offense for a minute, right? Like, um, <laughs> so, okay, there is no hiding where I have been since the Lions made the trade uh, with Stafford at, uh, to bring Goff in. I thought, we've talked about this on this show, I thought uh, when it was when the trade was made, I thought there was a, a glimmer of, of upside with Goff simply because Sean McVay refused to allow Goff to grow up and, um, you know, figure out defenses on his own. So it's kind of like a, ki a, you know, a parent who does all the laundry for his kid. And then the kid goes to school and is like, well, how the, how the hell do I wash these clothes? You know, um, that was what I thought golf was coming here. A, a, per a player who really needed to, to um, figure out how to run an offense. And I think he's done that. So that was the upside with him is that there was some, hope that away from McVay, he may progress as a player. But there's always this um, sort of in the background with him where there is this play that props up out, just like props up. It pops up out of nowhere. Like, okay, we've been talking for weeks about how the ball's coming out of his hand weird, right? Yeah. Um my wife is watching the game with me on Sunday, and my, my father is all in on the Lions again. So he's been coming over to watch games. And, you know, the kids are around, all this stuff, and she, he, he throws a pass, and she looks up, and she's like, they have no chance with him as their quarterback. And it's like, yeah, that's what it feels like right now. But, like, so so with him, you know, obviously it's a pressure thing, and and you can look, you can, you can tie his poor play or whatever's gone on with him directly to the offensive line. But in the end, he is a he's a pro quarterback who should be able to you know overcome some of these things and if everything around him needs to be perfect for him to play well enough for you to win games. And I know we're going to get crushed for this because Goff feels like one of those players that you cannot criticize for some people. Yeah. Like so there there is just a a large element of this fan base where if you talk about golf and bring up anything that's remotely worrisome, you're a hater. Yep. And all this stuff. So I, I get it. And I understand all that stuff. And, and my history with the quarterback stuff is, is widely known. Everybody knows we don't need to bring it up again, but, but the, the issue was I didn't believe that golf would ever be able to get them over the hump in really important times when pressure both, physical and mental pressure and perceived pressure, which I think maybe for him is worse. Like the idea, so the idea of, I don't trust Colby Soresdale or whoever is playing right guard. And therein lies the Ragnow injury being such a huge problem. Um, I don't trust it. So I'm going to get rid of the ball and yeah. I'm staring down. And it was just, so what I see with him, I know I'm all over the place. Um, good. What I see with him is he is he's become again a one read quarterback who cannot physically physically 
get his get off of that read and and move within the pocket to get to the next read and we see it um you watch the all 22 and you and you see like okay Amon Ra's wide open on the on the pass that he underthrows Jameson Williams, which is I, I am going to dedicate two minutes to that. Yes, in a minute. Um, like Amon Ra's running wide open for a first down there, but he freaks and you know I mean it's under pressure too, so it's I'm not going to crush him for it, mm-hmm. but it's that's not a hard throw to make because the ball's got to go over. W- over Jamison's outside shoulder towards the sideline. Yeah. It just does. There's two defenders. He's got them both beat. It just, you but, know. But it's a 40-yard throw. Like, you can't make that throw. Meanwhile, Justin Fields, who we doubted on this show because of the elements, just like for Jared Goff, he torches you on 4th and 13 for a deep shot. You couldn't hit j for one. Like, we haven't seen one deep shot all year. All we've, year. Seen, we've seen a few. We saw, I mean, don't... A few. I mean, there's been a few where they've where they've tried, but they're just and everybody wants to knock Jameson for this stuff, and it's like no, it's not necessarily a JMO issue. It's a mm-hmm. golf issue in some ways. And yeah. when they I, again, I'm going to bounce all over the place. This show is going to be seven hours long. Um, when they drafted Jameson Williams, um, I was we were both on Woodward Sports that night. And when they made that trade up, I in, I immediately thought I might even I hope I verbalized it. I might not have because there's a lot of things that go on up here that don't come out sometimes. Um, but I didn't think he ever was a player who they drafted for James for Jared Goff. I didn't. I don't think Jamison Williams and Goff are like that's a, Jamison is not uh, a golf guy, right? So. Um, but back to it, it's more that he turned down the the really easy first down to Amon Ra because he refused to get off of looking at Jamison Williams, even under pressure. And it, it, everybody can watch it. You rewatch that play. Amon Ra's wide open. It's like third and six, I think, or third, whatever it is, third and intermediate. And it's it's such an easy pitch and catch to, to, to Amon Ra, but instead now you force the ball down the field panicky and so you've got that component of things you've got um multiple situations where he is just turning down throws to open players including jameson williams on drags and crossing routes where he's stuck on a primary read or a first read whatever you want to call it and uh he can't get off of that read won't get off of that read and i know that you know laporta's done great things and, and he looks electric as a player he looks fantastic Amon Ra is awesome the Lions offense is really is an awesome offense I mean their mm-hmm. their offense should be a top five offense in the NFL they they have speed everywhere they have playmaking all over the place um Amon Ra is not super fast but he's fast enough he's not slow like he's he's like a bulked up golden Tate kind of is how I, I I kind of view him you know like right. out of the slot, he's super dangerous. He's a great route runner. He's always open. That was my pro um, for him, by the way. There you sure, go. Yeah. yeah. So like uh and then you throw you throw Jamison Williams in the mix. And last week he had the reverse, which is cool. Let's get the ball in his hands and one target. Yep. And it was a garbage target. Yep. So 
you know, I mean, we want to, we're going to talk about Aaron Glenn, but we also need to talk about how stale in some ways the offense looks at times. And, and, you know, maybe golf is hurt. Maybe there's something wrong with his thumb or his, or his index finger or whatever. Cause for four or five weeks now, you can see the ball fluttering when he throws. Yep. And, you know, it's like there's something up there. And then you look at the turnovers and um, the fumbles, the ball security stuff, the, um, you know, Decker didn't have a very good game. He got walked no. in the game a bunch. Mm-hmm. But still, like, you know, your quarterback needs to help in that situation too. And if, if, if the quarterback play is such that you need perfection around you, we all need to just embrace whatever this ends up as it ends up as um, because it's not good enough, both defensively and on offense. It's just not good enough on offense to be to, for things that have to be perfect to be able to play at a level to where to, in which you can score points and going forward, thinking about, okay, right now, who are they playing? If they're, if let's say they're the three, would they be the three seed in the playoffs right now? I think they would uh... because Dallas, I know Dallas and Philly are somewhat tied, but only one of them can win the division. So let's say they still might be the two seed. So that would San Francisco be the one right now? Oh, I forget about them. Yeah, you're right. They'd be the three. So they'd be the one. I think Philly would be two. I think Detroit would be three. Um, whoever's winning the NFC South would be four. Um, I don't know who I'm missing, but I feel like the Lions would be the three seed in this scenario, playing the number six seed. And, you know, whether that's maybe that's the Rams. Um, I don't want it to yeah. be. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Right now, it's San Francisco as the one, Dallas as the two, Detroit as the three, Tampa as the four, Philly as the five, Minnesota as the six, and Green Bay as the seven. The Rams are on the outside looking in at the eight. Okay. So, you know, I mean, they played Minnesota twice to finish the season. They, they This Denver game, we're going to get there, I promise. Yep. Um, you know, like... It's I just, took up a lot of time, my no, it's good. We're good. And and some of this is just, is I think, you know, it, this has been coming. Um, the Lions haven't played good the last six weeks or so. They just haven't. So, and we can all recognize it. We can look at it and, and have our say and think what we think and all this stuff. But in the end, they need to play better yep. at, at every, in every way. They need to make, you know, they, you know, they need to be more explosive on offense with all the, t- the weapons they have. Uh, Ragnall's injury is a big deal. It's just a huge deal. I really hope he's back. Um, I think if he's not back and there's chaos for for golf, I think we're this is what we should expect: is some turnovers, some uh, some ugly looking stuff on offense. I would tell you this week. Um, do you want to trans? You uh, so let's we have some we have some business to take care of, but let's yeah. get away from let's get away from uh, the past and and look ahead to uh to, to this game coming this week but first take it yeah no we got some business to attend to um we got the play of the week which is powered by restore um i have to tell you guys about restore hyper wellness maybe you're an athlete maybe you got kids like myself or, or scott that are athletes and or maybe you know you're just trying to get back into the gym and you're not recovering like you used to well i've got the solution go check out restore hyper wellness here in northville michigan or birmingham michigan Look, guys, my son and I, we both go. We love it. He's a three-sport athlete. I'm in the gym three to four times a week, and we just make the time to go check them out and get our bodies right by visiting Restore. 
They've got everything you need from compressions to cryotherapy, even specialty services such as IV drip therapy, um, just tons of great stuff. And just after one visit, one visit, we felt better. So I've been hooked ever since. My son's hooked. Um, they've got a ton of specials as far as holiday offers right now. So go check them out. Get your you know family member, your friends, even yourself, uh, the service you need to restore your body. Tell them I sent you from the Detroit Lions podcast so they can get you taken care of and get you back to doing more of what you love. Don't wait around. Go check out Restore Hyper Wellness right now. So play of the week, uh, essentially here for me, is the second and five from the Chicago Bears, eight. Uh, this is the the touchdown to uh, Josh Reynolds. I, I can't play a clip or anything like that just simply because of copyright stuff. But um, Lions come out in 11 personnel with a two-by-two set. Golf motion St. Brown across uh, on the right side of the formation and um, or from the right side of the formation and on the right side of that formation is Josh Reynolds. He's faced with man coverage uh, with Tyreek Stevenson. Reynolds does a great job just running this post move, kind of doing an outside in and it creates that separation and window needed for Jared Goff who might have been one of his better throws of the day um, and it was one that it happened at the right time, 25 seconds before the half. They took the lead 13 to 10 and I'm not even going to lie, I felt good. I felt like it was one of those where it was like 13-10, we get the ball back. We're going to kind of start settling in. And unfortunately, it didn't happen, but it is what it is. And, and Scott, you got your play of the day or play of the week, I should say. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there were a couple that that to me could have been, could have, uh, you know, qualified in, in the scenario. One of them was a play that didn't work out, but I love the design, which is the, the Gibbs swing pass. That's a touchdown all day long. He just kind of, you know, he catches that. It's I don't know. He gets touched. But to me, the run, um, his touchdown run was was sweet, uh, really nice. I don't know if you want to call it a kickout block, whatever it was, by James Mitchell. Really nice block. He's become he's become a player um, they use a lot in twelve, where he's just a blocker. I don't think he's caught a pass all year, mm-hmm. um, but still. So you have him kicking out there, and then you have Sewell up the field, just wreaking havoc on you know, defensive back or two. And uh, Gibbs just, uh, and I love the action of it. It's a little, it's a little like, uh, it's kind of a funny action play for, for, for golf, but it, it's a toss play where the action of the play goes to the left and they pitch it out to him uh, to the right and get him to the, get him to the perimeter, like quick. And it's hard. It's really hard to get to the edge at times, but they get him on the edge. They give him a huge lane to run through with Mitchell uh, kind of pushing his guy to the sideline. And then it's just about speed, and it yeah. just seems like, and, and that's and that scenario on that play, it just seemed like it was too easy. It's so easy, yeah. and his movements, it's just fun to watch him run, you know. But yeah. anything where Sewell's out in front of it, out in front of a play like that, where he's out in space, <laughs> that's a good thing, yep. you know. So easy touchdown, really nice play. Um, Gibbs is definitely looking the part. Uh, super exciting and uh, interesting to see what you know, his future holds, you know, a very electric player. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and this is something that we're going to bring you guys every week, even with draft stuff. So we're going to talk about, you know, prospect of the week and those types of things, uh, which will of course be powered by restore. So like I said, check them out, uh, restore hyper wellness, tons of great stuff by them. They'll get your body right. And like I mentioned, getting you doing what you're loving. Uh, so, so check them out, but um, moving to the Broncos, Lions, Broncos, Saturday night, 8 o'clock game. 
back in Detroit, second to last home game of the year. I'm assuming this the roof is going to be blowing off this place. And I mean, it's a must win now. I mean, after what uh, Tommy Cutlets did for the Giants last night against the Packers, I mean, how's your how's your family? Um, you know, the, we we need this win um, against the Broncos, and it's honestly it's it's two teams that are playing two different types of football and one played the Lions style, current style of play in the first six or seven weeks of the year and is now playing the Lions uh, first half of play, I guess I should say, currently. Um, you know, the, the Broncos were one in five going into week seven and they have now just been out of terror. They've won six out of their last seven and, you know, Detroit started five and one. They've gone four and three during that stretch, which is okay, right? Like if you were to tell me in August that we were nine and four, two games in in first place, essentially two games away from winning the NFC North, I would have never batted an eye. I would have been like, this is awesome. Yeah. But the yeah. way things are happening, it's just nerve wracking. And you're playing a Broncos team that is playing really good football right now. And Russell Wilson kind of looks rejuvenated and they got some pieces there, but I mean, how are you expecting this one? You hit the nail on the head with the Bears, so I'm I'm thinking you know something. You know somebody. You you got somebody in Vegas that I don't know about. No, dude, I don't know shit. And, and come on, <laughs> um, uh, what's the Lions' record in the last four games? It's two and two, right? Yep. In that four game span, you needed to pull the rabbit out of the hat against the Bears. Down, I think they were down seventeen late. I don't know how they won that game. And mind blowing. Yeah. And then you you look at being up twenty one nothing in the first five and a half minutes against the Saints, and then really, really struggling from that point forward. So as as much as this has been a bit of a bitch fest about the Lions, the last four games it's not been good at all. So mm-hmm. Am I a little more alarmed? I'm significantly more alarmed about the Denver uh, team than right now than I than I was, you know, looking at this three months ago and when the schedule comes out or whatever. Um, it's it, so there to me. There are two things that are super interesting and will determine this whole thing. And it's teams at this point have to see that Jared Goff loves to throw in breaking routes. Loves it. And he's great at it. I mean, he really is. He can fit the ball in super tight windows. He makes ridiculous throws. Makes it look easy sometimes. Um, But having said that, I think it's very obvious to see that defenses are jamming up the middle of the field. And they want to force him to throw the ball outside the numbers. You know, down the field and outside the numbers. So, can the Lions get the running game going, period? And play that kind of a game where it's there's a lot of play action stuff, but the running game drives, you know, both what happens on offense for them, also how they react and play on defense. Taking long, you know, putting together long drives and scoring touchdowns um, is a great thing, and it forces other teams to kind of get out of their what they want to do, and that to me is the entire thing. Like, can the Lions establish the run? Should we see 35 carries for between Gibbs and Montgomery in this game? Yeah, that'd be great. It really they would should. be. Yeah. They should. Or more. Like that that's yeah. they really need to just prior, prioritize that. Um 
I know it's a lot easier to say it than it is to do it, but I think if you if I think if you get into a situation where you're like, all right, offense, we're down ten, and and everybody knows we're throwing, and you know they're cluttering the middle of the field, and maybe you know forcing forcing you to put the ball into places where your quarterback doesn't love to throw it to, that's danger. So mm-hmm. to me, there that's it. That's that's all of it. Russell Wilson is still Russell Wilson. He's elusive. He's not elusive like Justin Fields is, though. He's not going to torch you for 30-yard, 40-yard runs. He's right. just going to keep plays alive. Yeah. Uh, when I look at their offense, I see I see Cortland Sutton make some sort of ridiculous catch every week. And I think, you know, this we talked about it last week, and I feel like this is coming. Kirby Joseph is going to he's going to pick off one of these passes. See, he so Wilson throws a, a really high arcing pass, like mm-hmm. um, you know, like a punt almost at times. Yeah. He still has he still has impeccable ability to put the ball down the field accurately, but you know, it feels like a uh it feels like what what it could be a, a get right kind of a game, both on offense and defense, but the offense will have to run the ball out of their problems. And obviously that puts the defense in a position to be defending the pass. I think they can. And it's just, you know, just like we've talked about this, you just have to execute and they have not been. So um, I don't know. What do you think about like Denver's ability to, to muddy up the middle of the field? Uh, I mean, can they do that with their personnel? Is that something I'm creating in my mind? Is it like an illusion of, of uh, uh, you know, no, crazy? I, I think if teams watch what the Bears did in both games against the Lions, I think there's a really good recipe there of how to limit the Lions' offense. Um, Quan Brisker's a hell of a player for the Bears. Uh, he yeah. had 17 tackles in that game, which, by the way, he went two picks after Josh Pascal, but that's here nor there. Uh, you were not happy about that that night, I remember. Yeah, no, I... I love Josh Pascal, but I just didn't like doubling down on another defensive lineman. That's, again, five defensive linemen in three years. It's just crazy to me. Um, but Maybe we'll it, make it six. Maybe maybe in, it, in April it's six. And that's the crazy thing. They're going to have to. They're going to have to. Yeah. Yeah. It, it actually was six because I didn't count James Houston. But anyways, um, no, I mean, look, with the, with the Broncos, yeah, they have the personnel. Justin Simmons is still very good. Kareem Jackson is there. Um He's uh, an aggressive player. He hits a little high at times. There's been some questions as far as is he out to hurt guys, and if he is, honestly, cool. Like that's the way football is. He back from suspension. I don't know. I I, I don't. Um, I, I don't. He think he suspended like three games, two games ago, or something. Like I, I I could be wrong. Let me look that up. Yeah, I I don't remember now. I thought it was up, but maybe I'm maybe he's one more game. If he does, good, but. Um, you know, they got Patrick Sertan. So, I mean, he's going to probably shadow Aminra a lot. Um, and that's going to open up a lot of one-on-one situations for Laporta, um, Jamo, Gibbs. And, you know, you mentioned running the ball 35, 40 times in this game. And I, I think they can. The Broncos give up about 140 yards rushing a game in total, about 380 yards total per game, which is third worst in the NFL. But they have 24 takeaways this year, which is the most in the NFL. So it's like if the Lions are going to run what they did this past week against the Bears, which to me, just watching the all 22 from, you know, the last 24 hours or so, it's like the Lions ran a lot of weird route combinations against the Bears offensively. They ran a lot of like 
I don't know if it, if I want to call it high low concepts. I, it didn't really look like level concepts because not everything was breaking towards the middle of the field. But like the Bears did a great job taking away the middle of the field and forcing either checkdowns, which got tackled and ate up quickly, or the deep routes, which Goff couldn't throw. And it's like, can he do that in in Ford Field? If he can, we might have something. Um, but I, I'm just starting to wonder, like, are we going to see Hendon Hooker activated if this thing doesn't get going? And is Hendon Hooker going to get tossed in there to maybe throw a deep shot to JMO? I mean, you got to try something if if Goff can't do it, if he can't keep if he can't keep playing the way he's playing, and if he keeps doing that, this is going to be another nine and eight football team. And that's just to me, it's as I was alluding to earlier, it's unacceptable. So I, I think it's a very winnable game. But I felt like the Bears was a winnable game, and I feel like the last four or five weeks were all very winnable games, and we've been kind of just barely getting by. And it's like, are we going to barely get by on this one? If we do, cool, just get by. So they need to stick with the ground game. They were pounding the rock very well between the tackles. Montgomery was averaging over six yards of carry. Gibbs was averaging over six yards of carry. But between the two of them, they had 21 total carries. And it's like, yeah. that's not that's not enough when you're trying to keep the opposition off the field. And that's what the Lions should be trying to do. Establish five, six, seven-minute drives in this game. And, tr- you know, don't come out of the half throwing the football. Like, they did it's that. It's bizarre. Isn't it? It's like, it's so strange the, how they get out of rhythm. Like, yeah, they do it to themselves in ways. Uh, I think Kareem Jackson is still suspended. I think he has one more game. But... Yeah. I don't even think it matters. You're right. The, so the strength of I think what the what the Broncos do on defense is in their is, is in their secondary, and it mm-hmm. definitely gives uh, their defensive line and their blitzers and I, they blitz a ton uh, time to get home. So yeah. I don't love the idea of a very versatile secondary uh, being able to confuse and almost bait quarterback kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. and then, and then, you know, doing a good, a, a good enough job in coverage to, to allow the, the pressure to get home, um, which is, you know, I think that's why you and I both are, are looking for them to really play a slow, grind it out kind of run first game. Yeah. Um, I think they can, it's just, you know. The Ragnall injury is a big deal. They need him back. Uh, you know, I think that we could do another. We could do another show this week, and we'll talk about it, and we'll let everybody know if we're going to do it. But it, it is definitely, and I think it'd be worth doing. It'd be interesting. Uh, what are their needs right now? What concerns do we have? And I would say that that we could talk for half hour, forty five minutes about, you know, just draft stuff. Uh, concerns yeah. with this team. What do you? How? What do you look at? Um, kind of position are they in with Hendon Hooker being a third round pick with Goff having yeah. another year what do you, what can you even do there do you even know do you even know what you have with Hendon Hooker before you have to make the decision on whether or not you're going to extend Goff I don't know but they're not in a great situation there um yeah. do they need an inter I'm giving away the show before we even do it I'm going to stop talking well a little we, bit on the practice but Oh, I was just saying a little bit on the practice report as far as injuries for today. Taylor Decker did not practice today with the back. Uh, oh. Rag Ragnow was limited with knee, back, and toe, and Hendon Hooker was a full participant in practice. So, 
if Decker goes down, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, they're, they're going to have to start running some pony personnel. They're going to have to start bringing Gibbs and Montgomery on the field at the same time. They're like, they're going to have to start disguising an additional so block. School would kick over to play left tackle and Skipper would start at right tackle, right? Is that yeah. Which, yeah, which by the way, I don't think anybody noticed this during the game. Dan Skipper, they did a lot of tackle over stuff with Sewell going over to the left side. Um, and Skipper played right tackle on one, but he was eligible. And he actually checked release and goes out to the flats. And it's like everything, like I'm telling you, I think it was like some type of high-low levels concept type deal because there was Skipper, there was St. Brown, and JMO. Nobody was open. And it's like, that you know, you're, you're putting everybody flowing that way defensively. Teams are going to pick up on that, especially the Broncos with Vance Joseph, who is disguising blitzes and doing a pretty good job defensively. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I don't know. They're going to have to find something to do differently. And I, I, I think maybe just pounding the rock is what it's going to have to be. I mean, I, I would have never had Jared Goff throw 35 times last week against the Bears. They did. I, I don't know. I mean, Ben Johnson's going to have situation wise, you kind of forced them to have to do that, being, yeah. you know, especially later in the game when you're down, you know, as much as you are. But, um, let's just, you know, I, Nine and four. Obviously, we love we love the idea they're nine and four. It feels super weird to be bitching as much as we are with them at nine and four. But there was an opportunity for them to not. I mean, they could they could be, you know, they could be in a situation that where they would be uh, in a in a really good position right now. But you know, um, all they all, all they really can think about right now is Denver, and it, this is a game you, that you have to win. We'll see how they play. They have to play. They're going to have to execute better than they have in the last month. Clearly, it's that doesn't take much to see you know to say that. But uh, you know, this does feel like a game where they could get right a little bit. But things are just things are not easy for them right now in any phase of the way they're playing, and they got to figure it out. It's just that's what yep. it is. Yep. No, and it was odd that Vegas opened them up as five point favorites too on Sunday night. It's just a little weird after what we saw, but yeah. I mean, home, home away, you know, I mean, being indoors helps. I would say, yeah. I would say I'd, I would feel, I would be uh, very alarmed if they were out, if this, if this game was in Denver, I, I wouldn't oh, yeah. be feeling good at all about, it. but it's not, it's yeah. in Detroit. So, um, I, you know, I'm crossing my fingers and let's hope, let's hope for good things. Yep. We'll see what happens, but. Look, we had to get this off our chest. Well, like Scott said, we'll try to do maybe another one later this week talking about what we need right now. Um, and, and we'll try to figure something out for later in the week. But it's always fun getting to do this show. As always, you guys can find us on Twitter or X, whatever it's called, at Russ NFL Draft, at Bischoff underscore Scott. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the show at Detroit Lions Podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all streaming podcast platforms. So, a lot of fun, you know, just talking football and getting to vent. Uh, disappointed in being nine and four because I feel like we should be ten and four, maybe even eleven. Uh, but it, it is what it is. Maybe I'm getting spoiled now, but we'll see. We got to bounce back against the Broncos. You got anything else to add? Yeah, we're good. Cool, we're, we're good. He's got Bischoff. Positive vibes, positive vibes, baby. <laughs> as positive as we can be. But yeah. he's got Bischoff. I'm Russ Brown. This has been Bischoff and Brown right here on the Detroit Lions podcast. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Yeah. Woo! Come on, baby. Lions on three. One, two, three. Yes! <laughs>
You've had enough of that shit. <laughs>